1: The emergency podcast system. It is a
0: true emergency.
1: Quick, run.
0: We love aliens. It's not rude. How can you do it? It's science. Just do it. So we don't Welcome to Mystery Team Inc. We're in. We're in. Yay.
1: Hello? Ceremonial quacking. Well, are we just...
0: <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to quack first and talk... Later. After? <laughs> quack first, talk later. <laughs> yes, we are. Okay, let's
1: quack first, talk later. While we quack. Welcome to Mystery Team Inc. Welcome. I'm Maggie. I'm Kayla. This is a special episode. Yeah. I guess we should quack in like a cheers celebration. That's what I
0: was saying.
1: Fine. Yeah. You're right. Um, this is a special episode.
0: For two reasons. Yeah. It is our 20th episode. Mm hmm. And it's also our anniversary. It is. It is our pottyversary. Our Anna Pottery. Anna Pottery. <laughs> our, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wrote my first mystery on March fifth yeah 2018 which means we probably recorded did we, we didn't ever look to see I could' I didn't look and now we can't because well I could try to look I think it might be on my computer oh yeah do you know what it is but I couldn't find it because my computer doesn't know how to do anything except play <laughs> I <tell you. laughs> no. I searched look if I search we recorded on the fifth yes it's our pod anniversary it's our Anna pod.
1: Yeah. Hooray. Um, And so we decided to do something special. Mm-hmm. So f- for a long time, no one has asked us <laughs> <laughs> or wondered why our podcast started on episode two. And the answer that no one asked for was because it was a mystery. But today we're going to solve that mystery.
0: We're going to solve the answer we knew all along. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is that we recorded our first episode ever like, on the laptop microphone, and the quality was so bad that we couldn't bear to air it, which is, like, kind of funny if you listen to the old episodes, because they're all equally just as
0: bad. I would give them two points out of ten Okay, yeah. Um, Because at least we had our own inputs. That's true. (laughs) Um, So,
1: for the 20th episode and for our pod we've decided to retell our very first original Mysteries.
0: Which is going to work out great because I can't even remember last week. I know. <laughs> Kayla was like, uh, but is it going to be, and I was like, I don't, I honestly don't remember
1: which, what mystery you did, and now that I think about it, I don't remember which mystery I did. Mm. Yep. But now I remember.
0: Yeah, now I remember mine. All I remember is that I really liked yours and it blew my mind, and then my brain was like, we don't need to keep that, though. <laughs> okay, so let's quack quack, and I have a present for you.
1: Yay! Quack okay. quack. A cheer. And we're drinking tacate, which is mm. one of our early... <laughs> yeah,
0: we used to drink a lot of Tecate. We've come so far. It's true. In a year. We have. We both moved. It's true. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> also,
1: can we talk about your day today where... Oh, my God. I discovered the tuna
0: collection, and yeah. you discovered the snails. <laughs> oh, have we talked about your fish at all on the we podcast? We haven't talked about my fish, and I have to tell you about those guys who pulled up next to me, because I realized it's International Women's Day, and, and they were literally being a scrub. He was being a scrub. Yes. Perfect. Okay, so we have three orders of Do the
1: you course. think Subway released the new tuna collection in honor of International Women's <laughs> Just Day? Just for
0: me? <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, so, how long ago did I get the fish? A month? A month ago. So a month ago at the restaurant that we work at, or that Maggie used to work at and I work at, uh, one of the cooks was making a custom fish tank for our head chef, and I drunkenly was like, I want one, and then somehow followed through on that, and now I have a fish tank. Right. The fish tank came with two neon Tetras, which Maggie and I named Declan and Trip. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, Declan had a peanut allergy, and Trip had ADHD. Yeah. Declan, um, played the. Did he play the clarinet? Mm-hmm. Declan played the clarinet and Trip played soccer. soccer. Trip promptly died. Yeah, like within two days, <laughs> he passed away. He died. Declan is thriving, and then a few days ago, I think it was a murder. It might have been. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a big mystery. I think it might have been shock. <laughs> Declan is like way hardier than uh-huh. Trip. So a few days ago. I looked in the tank, and lo and behold, there were two very small snails. Freshwater snails. And I texted the guy who made it, and I was like, Mark, did you hide snails in my fish tank? And he was like, yep. I was like, great. So now I have two snails. Which are named. Which are named Brianna. Yeah. (laughs) Both of my snails are named Brianna, and then my fish is named Declan. And then the other day, yesterday, today. When did I? text Today,
1: you, you texted me.
0: Today, I looked in on, just Brianna, in like and, on Brianna and all capitals on Brianna and Brianna and Declan just to see what was going on. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there were seven snails. You just texted me in all caps. There are seven snails, <laughs> and I was like, "No," and you were like, "Yes." There are seven snails. They multiplied so quickly that I think that in the next month I'll probably have thirty snails. And Declan will be murdered. Okay. Those snails are named Brianna, Brianna, <laughs> Brianna, 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 and Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story of my snails. Uh, I wish them the best. I love them like they leaving. you like they're leaving. Have a good summer. Hags. Hags. Never change.
1: <laughs> Great. I'm glad that we, yeah, I just wanted
0: everyone to know. Mm-hmm. What's that present? You want your present? Okay, so I have to preface this with the fact that (laughs) the 20th anniversary is the China anniversary. (laughs) Oh, no. No. This is such a good prank. (laughs) And I wanted to do this for our 10th because it's aluminum and then I forgot. Yeah, I remember. I was talking about making like a foil. You said ghost. Or I said
1: ghost and you said UFO.
0: Yeah. So it's not technically China. (laughs) (laughs) But there's that. Also, the first anniversary is paper, and I tried to make you a a UFO map of China. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would have been funny.
1: (gasps) Oh my God, did you did you go to Color Me Mine?
0: (laughs) No, I just have like forty sharpies.
1: (gasps) Oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, and in the bottom it says MTI episode 20. Yeah. This is so cute. I think it's a
0: tea light holder. Yeah,
1: it's for a candle. You did such a good job. I'm going to post a
0: picture and on the I'm Instagram. I'm not artistically inclined. But I <laughs> no, but it looks good. Don't touch the bottom though. It'll rub off.
1: Uh, this is like when you made the number one dad mug we talked about that on a previous episode yeah, there sure. were no number one dad mugs so we got one that just said dad and wrote number one on it with a sharpie it definitely this is well. such
0: a good gift thank you it's yeah. almost china yeah i mean it's made of a something for sure <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's such a good present you did such a good job
0: I I'm tried. so excited to
1: put a tea light in
0: it. Mm. So now we're just
1: going to have a collection of like 10. Of mystery anniversaries. Yeah. I love that idea. We can do it every five even. We could do it every one and just look up all of the anniversaries. <laughs> and 21st just every... anniversary.
0: Let's look at that. Go ahead. With a brass or nickel. Perfect. Great. You're
1: getting a trombone.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Should
1: we do some mysteries? Yeah.
0: Mm, happy anniversary babe happy anniversary mystery team
1: alright so the mystery that I did for the very first oh am I going first? I just like decided yeah you can go first. Do you want to go first?
0: I don't give a fuck. Okay I'll go first okay so the very first mystery I ever did I'm so excited by the way because all I remember is that I love this and it's complicated no I remember what it is but I don't remember the details okay
1: is the mystery of room 1046 Kansas City. I'm there. <laughs> what year? I didn't even, like, put what year. <laughs> it's, like, the 50s or something. 1935. Great. Good job, Kayla. hmm You remembered. Yeah. I'm going to start this over. <laughs> Great. Kansas City. I'm there. 1935. <laughs> Around 1.20 p.m. on January 2nd, a man checks into the hotel president... <laughs> That can't be right. Is is it pronounced like president?
0: President. This is Kansas,
1: so it's like, why? I think
0: it might just be the hotel president
1: at 14th and Baltimore. Hold on, I just
0: really quickly have to check in with the hotel president.
1: (laughs) He checked into the hotel president at 14th and Baltimore. (laughs) That
0: can't be right.
1: It has to be. Did you go through and like re-look at the research? Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but I didn't notice that before. I also reorganized my
0: story. Me too. I was really bad at writing when we started. Me too. Yikes. Wait, but look Yikes. But how, look how car we fum. <laughs> Buckle the buck up. Look how car we
1: fum. <laughs> New sign offs. Um, okay. The hotel has like a courtyard. So
0: there are interior rooms and exterior rooms. Mm-hmm. And, and if you get an interior room, your mom goes and yells at the concierge. Yes, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Susan. <laughs> um, no, Susan always made sure we had ocean front views. Yeah, I
1: believe she it. Was very picky but about also, that. this is Kansas. So it's like street side. So I think it's actually more oh, desirable to have a <laughs> you want interior,
0: yeah. so you don't have to look at Kansas City. Yeah.
1: Um, the man asked for an interior room, and he asked for one that was several floors up, which was already like, we're off to a weird start. He signed the register as Roland T. Owen, signed his home address as Los Angeles, and paid for one day.
0: (laughs) That reminds me of the people that I met in college who would be like, oh, I'm from LA too. And I would go, from where? And they would go, Orange County. Orange County, County, And I would go... (laughs) So, um... Yeah, the, t- the times were so
1: different. He just signed the register. You could gave just be them like, money. I'm from
0: California. <laughs> yeah, my hometown, California. My hometown, West Coast. This is like
1: it reminds <laughs> me of DB Cooper, like walking up to the airline counter and just like buying a ticket Ugh, for twenty five dollars. Less hot. Mm-hmm. Roland T. Owen. Um, Roland had a cauliflower ear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We talked about this last time. So uh, people who knew like who met him in this time, recognized that he must have been like a boxer or a professional wrestler. He had dark brown hair and a large horizontal scar on the side of his scalp that went above his ear. People placed his age as anywhere from 25 to 35. The clerk gave him the key to room 1046 and sent the bellboy up with him to show him his room. Also, it just occurred to me, is bellboy like the proper term for that anymore? Is that like offensive?
0: I think it's, Bellman. <laughs> that doesn't I sound think they right. Graduated. <laughs> Bellboy. Went PC
1: term. <laughs> the term porter is used in the United porter Kingdom. Porter sounds right. Bellboy or bellhop is American English. No, they're just called bellhops now. Bellhop. Mm-hmm. Um, the bellhop's name was Randolph Propst. In, eleva- in the elevator, Roland Owen complained that. He'd been at the Muehlbach Hotel the night before, but they'd charged him the outrageous price of $5 for his <gasps> room.
0: You poor soul.
1: With inflation, $5 in 1935 is had the buying power of a little over $80 in 2012 money.
0: Okay, so relax. <laughs> Still so relax.
1: The room service, or the what would you call it? What's the politically correct term for maid? Cleaning person. The cleaning person.
0: House... Because I copied this from an article from 2012,
1: and it's like made. is such a... I'm not into it. I
0: think it's housekeeping.
1: Housekeeping comes. Her name was Mary Soptic. She opens the door, which is unlocked, and on seeing that Mr. Owen was inside, she says that she'd come back later, and he tells her to come in anyway. When she leaves, he asks her to leave the door unlocked because he said he was expecting a friend. She mentioned in her statement later that the blinds were tightly drawn, the room was dark, and that during his stay he always kept the room that way, as if he were hiding from something or someone. She came back around 4 p.m. to deliver fresh towels, find Owen laying on the bed fully clothed, and noticed a note on the desk that says, Dawn, I will be back in 15 minutes. Period. Wait. Period. The next morning, Thursday, January 3rd, Mary Soptic headed to room 1046 around 1030 to clean it. Assuming that Owen was out, she unlocked the door with her passkey, which she could only have done if the door had been locked from the outside.
0: From the outside? Uh-huh. Okay.
1: She, the maids, the, like, housekeeping and the front desk have passkeys that open every room, but not if it's locked from the inside.
0: That is so interesting.
1: It's like old hotel style. Because if someone locks it and they're in there and they don't want housekeeping to come in. Then you mm. can't get in.
0: But if you lock it from the outside, then you're gone. They can
1: use the passkey. Right. Um,
0: There's a demon next to me. I mean, a nugget. Oh.
1: <laughs> so she came in. She entered. Okay. Assuming that Owen was out, she unlocked the door with her passkey. Only could do from if it was locked from the outside and entered. Owen was sitting in the dark. Soptic realized that someone else had locked the door from the outside. Then the telephone rang. Owen answered the phone, and after a moment, he said, No, Don, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry, Olive. After a moment, he repeated, No, I am not hungry. Um, and then he asked Mary Soptic about her job. And then he told her the same thing, that the Mielbach Hotel had tried to hold him up on the price for an inside room. He's so annoying. She chats with him, she picks up the dirty towels, and she leaves. At four.
0: That's such an obnoxious thing to do to someone working in customer service. Yes, correct. People come into our restaurant all the time and they're like, well, blah, 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 it's this price at that place. And I'm like, not my apartment. I'm
1: way above my pay grade. (laughs)
0: Literally everything you do in a restaurant is above your pay grade.
1: Yeah, for real. (laughs) Minimum wage, baby. Um, At 4 p.m., towels arrive again, so she brings them up to 1046, and she hears two men talking inside, and she knocks, and she hears a voice, which she does not recognize, say, who is it? She tells them that she has fresh towels, and the voice says, we don't need any, which she noted was odd, since she knew for a fact there were no towels in the room, because she took them earlier that day. The elevator operator, who was working the graveyard shift, started around midnight on January 3rd, and he had this to say... I took a woman that I recognized as being a woman who frequents the hotel with different men in different rooms. It is my impression from this woman's actions that she is a commercial woman, Mm. quote-unquote.
0: God, I want to be a commercial woman.
1: So he said, I took her to the 10th floor, and she made inquiries for room 1026, about five minutes after this, I received a signal to come back to the tenth floor. Upon arriving there, I met the same woman, and she wondered why he wasn't in his room because he had called her and had always been very prompt in his appointments.
0: I have a question. Hmm. Are we sure that it's Dawn, Don D O N and not Don D A W N?
1: We're not. But oh, she's Dawn. Um. That's very possible. Although I recall, doesn't the actual Dawn? person appear later in the story I know. or no okay. Read on, <laughs> dear reader um she said she wondered if he might be in 1024 because the light on the light was on in there she remained about 30 or 40 minutes and then i received a signal to go back to the 10th floor i went back and the same woman appeared there and came down on the elevator with me and left the the elevator at the lobby about an hour later, she returned in company with a man, and I took them to the ninth floor. I later received a signal to go to the ninth floor at about 4.15 a.m., and this same woman came down from the ninth floor and left the hotel. In a period of about 15 minutes, this man came down the elevator from the ninth floor complaining that he couldn't sleep, and he was going out for a while.
0: I have a question. Mm-hmm? Do elevator operators in this time, did they just hit the button for you? I think... Or do they have to, like, do something?
1: I think it's that old crank style where it's like a lever.
0: It's so interesting that they have...
1: And it's basically, it's a break.
0: That they have people doing that and then they'll just put anyone in the emergency exit row. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: like us? You can't
0: crank the elevator, but in the case of an emergency, like you can open that door and save all of our assets. Right. And you and I are like, yup. We'll sit there. <laughs> I like that group. <laughs>
1: Um, my favorite was when we were on a plane to Louisiana and we got seated in the exit row and she was like, can you perform your duties? And you were like, she's really overestimating my desire to be alive. Like,
0: I will not fight for this. I will not fight to get this door open. I will let us burn. And I'll be like, you all wanted it.
1: (laughs) Do you remember on the way back from Louisiana when the exit door, the handle had like clearly been pulled before? (laughs) (laughs) It was like half open. Um, so yeah, listen, if you can't sit in the exit row, you can't date D.B. Cooper. Oh no. Um,
0: I don't think that's true. Oh, am I supposed to pull the door for him?
1: I'm saying if you, you gotta be able to go on the heist with him.
0: (sighs) That's my dream.
1: I know. You're welcome. Aw.
0: Deeds. (laughs) So
1: around 11 PM that same night that the elevator operator encountered the commercial woman, going up and down the elevator uh, wow. and hanging out on the 10th floor. Yeah. Um, Robert Lane was driving down 13th street when he saw a man running west down the street in trousers and undershirt and shoes. It was January and also 1935. So cold. And also why wasn't he wearing a shirt? <laughs> so Robert Lane slowed down and he yelled at the man who came up to the car. And then the man says, sorry, I thought you were a taxi. Will you take me to where I can get a cab? So Robert Elaine agrees. The,
0: if someone said that to me now, I would be like, fuck you.
1: You would mace them.
0: I, I mean, <laughs> I don't carry mace because I'm dumb.
1: But. but you would run them over, pretty much.
0: Or if they said something to me, I would just be like, on my phone, don't make eye
1: contact. <laughs> just roll up the window. <laughs> um, So he said, yeah, I'll take you. And the guy got in the car and he said, I'll kill that. And then here, the Times printed a long dash to indicate a deleted expletive. Tomorrow, broad, I'll kill that broad tomorrow. Um, Robert I'll Lane, kill that. No, they were allowed to say broad. Are you kidding? They could say they could say worse words than that about women. On, I'll
0: kill that nincompoop. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, Robert Lane noticed that the man had a deep scratch on his arm, and was also cupping his hands, which he noted seemed like he was possibly trying to cut pooling blood from a deeper wound. Gross. Um, This. They pull up to the intersection, and the man sees a taxi, but there's no one in it. So he jumps out of the car. He runs up to the driver's side of the taxi, and he starts honking the horn. This is my favorite part. And the cabbie comes running out of the restaurant that he was eating at. So Lane sees that the man got a taxi, and he drives away. I really do imagine, like, Edward Hopper, like, the yeah. diner. On Friday, January 4th, so the next day, Della Ferguson, the telephone operator, took over the board. She noticed that the phone for 1046 was off the hook. So at 7.10 a.m., the phone was still off the hook, and no one was using it, so she requested that bell service send a bellhop up to the room to tell the occupant to hang up the fucking phone. When the the bellhop got there, the door was locked. He used his passkey to let himself in, again indicating that the door had been locked from the outside. He noted that Owen was lying on the bed naked, surrounded by what appeared to be dark shadows in the bedclothes, and he was apparently drunk. He saw that the telephone stand had been knocked over and that the phone was on the floor. The bellhop straightened the stand and put the phone on it, hung it up, and went and told his boss that Owen was drunk.
0: Was he conscious?
1: Yes. He just seemed to be drunk. Around 10.30 that morning, another operator reported that the phone for 10.46 was again off the hook.
0: This guy's so sloppy.
1: At around... He's like dying. He's like a messy little drunk girl. (laughs) Around 11 o'clock. Where's
0: my phone? You guys, where's my phone?
1: He drops it on his face while he's trying to make Instagram.
0: (laughs) Where's Don! Don. 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 Give me more tequila. No. Give me my phone. Don, where's my phone? I'm not hungry. (laughs) Don. Somebody text Kyle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're not seeing Kyle. No. I want to meet Kyle. Fine. I'm not texting Kyle. Who are you texting? No one. (laughs) Is it Kyle? (laughs) No.
0: No. uh, Don. Kyle isn't responding. (laughs)
1: Uh, around 10.30 that morning, another operator reported the phone was again off the hook. Around 11 o'clock, Randolph Probst, which was the bellhop that had originally showed Owen up to his room, headed back up to the room, noting that the don't disturb sign was on the door. After knocking loudly three times with no response, he unlocked the door with his pass key and entered. Quote, when I entered the room, this man was within two feet of the door on his knees and elbows, holding his head in his hands.
0: Where's Kyle?
1: <laughs> Don. I noticed that I noticed blood on his head. I then turned the light on, placed the telephone receiver on the hook. I looked around. I like the priority here. <laughs> yeah. He that wasn't was like, he are he you okay?
0: There.
1: I looked around and saw blood on the walls, in the bed, and in the bathroom. This frightened me, and I immediately left the room and went downstairs.
0: Wait, Kyle.
1: <laughs> so he runs downstairs, he tells his managers, they call the police, the police show up. This is what the detective said. Owen had been restrained with cord around his neck, his wrists, and ankles, and looked like he'd been tortured. Knife wounds, blood on his chest from over his heart, one of these had punctured his lung. His skull was fractured on the right side, where he had been struck more than once. There was bruising around the neck, suggesting strangling as part of the torture. Besides the blood that was on the bed itself, more blood had spattered onto the wall next to the bed, and a small amount of blood could even be seen on the ceiling above the bed. When Dr. Flanders arrived, he cut the cords from around Owen's wrists. His hands freed. Owen I found turned him
0: on the bed. Yeah. So in the time between. No, no, no. He was. Because when the when the guy who came up and put the phone back on the hook again, he was, was in there. On he was the... on the near the door with his head. in I hand don't on.
1: think he was on the bed. Um, I think he was still bound, but he was on the floor. He's not on the bed. No, 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 he's not. He's still on the bed. But but when Dr. Flanders arrived, then they cut the fucking restraints off. So they just left him, like, tied up like that.
0: Don't touch a crime scene. Even if there's a live-suffering person in there.
1: His hands freed, Owen turned on the bathtub spigot, which Flanders then shut off. (laughs) Detective Johnson asked Owen, who'd been in the room with him, and Owen, semi-conscious and barely able to talk, said, nobody. Nobody.
0: No it. Was
1: Kyle here? No. No. How, he asked how he had gotten hurt and he said, I fell against the bathtub. I fell. Honey. No, I fell. They asked if he had tried to commit suicide and he said no. And then he slipped fully into unconsciousness. He was rushed to the hospital. Dr. Flanders later determined that the wounds had been inflicted six to seven hours earlier because the blood on Owen and the blood in the hotel room was dry. So
0: what time is that then?
1: The police arrived shortly after 11 o'clock. So that would have been... Math?
0: Like, Wait, but at 6 to 7? Yeah. Like 4 a.m.?
1: Between mm-hmm.
0: 4 a.m. and 5 a.m.? hmm Cut out how much time it took us to do that. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> um, doctor, blah, da, da, da. That means that the stabbing happened before Pike, the first bellhop, showed up at 7 a.m.
0: Yeah, you think those dark shadows might have been something, buddy? Mm-hmm.
1: The police found that there were no clothes in the room anywhere. Which is weird, because Owen was found naked. His shoes weren't there, there were no socks, nothing, there were no clothes in the room. And no knife. The only items found were a hairpin, a safety pin, an unlit cigarette, and a small unused bottle of dilute sulfuric acid. There were also two water glasses. One remained on the shelf above the sink, and the other lay in the sink, missing a jagged piece. The glass top of the telephone stand yielded four small fingerprints, possibly from a woman.
0: How do they know? They're small.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly had to include this. The Kansas City Journal Post (laughs) quoted Detective Johnson. Sorry,
0: say that one one more time.
1: The Kansas City Journal Post.
0: You need one of those. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Quoted Detective Johnson as saying, there is no doubt that someone else is mixed up in this. (laughs) Grade A detective Uh, work. work.
0: I also really like Journal Post because in my head what happened was there were two people in mm-hmm. Kansas City who were like, we're going to open a newspaper. Let's call it The Journal. And someone was like, I'm going to call it The Journal. And he was like, I'm going to call it The Post. And then they fell out, and the one guy was like, I'm going to call it The Journal Post. Oh, you don't think it, it was a story both. of coming
1: together? No, I think
0: they took both names. <laughs> I thought the you were it like, was well, a well, collaboration. No <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> Roland Owen slipped into a coma before they got him to the hospital. He died a little after midnight that night, Saturday, January 5th. So they got in contact with the LAPD and the FBI, And, of course, no one has anyone registered as Roland T. Owen. It's a fake name. No. On Sunday, people viewed the body at a funeral home. One of the viewers was Robert Lane. Lane identified the victim as the man who had stopped him on 13th Street. He saw the deep scratch on the arm that he had noted Thursday night. He was sure that this was the man who had waved him down under such unusual conditions. The police dismiss his ID because they say there's no way that Roland could have gotten in or out of the hotel without anyone seeing him. But we know that what they're... What
0: do
1: you mean? They just were like, someone want to seen him. It's crack what? police work. God, but... So stupid. We also know that someone identified the man who left with the commercial woman which could have easily been him mm-hmm. or Don.
0: And there was a hairpin in there and woman fingerprints.
1: Right. <laughs> Lady Prince, <laughs> which is what we're calling our zine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Lady L-A-D-I-E. Prince with a Z. Prince with a Z.
1: So the detectives are taking statements, and they keep hearing the whole the whole <laughs> hotel mulebach <laughs> charge me out the ass thing. <laughs> so they contact the hotel, and, of course, no one named Roland T. Owen had registered at the mulebach, But, on the night in question, a man who looked like the picture had stayed there, insisting on an interior room. And he had also given Los Angeles as his home address.
0: As his address?
1: Yes, as his home address. They were
0: like, okay, and what's the street number? And he's like, Los Angeles.
1: Yes. Because I think you just, like, signed a guest book back in the day. And they were like, home address? And you're like, Los Angeles. His name in the register... Right. His name in the register... (laughs) West side, his name in the register at the Hotel Muehlbach was Eugene K. Scott. So they call the LAPD and then they're like, of course, there's no record of Eugene K. Scott either because that's also a fake name. So on Sunday, March 3rd, the Journal Post, <laughs> uh, otherwise known as the Dandelion Journal, <laughs> uh, published an announcement that Roland Owen Eugene Scott would be buried the next day in the Potter's Field. But the burial did not take place as announced. The funeral home received an anonymous phone call. The caller asked that the body not be buried immediately and promised that he or she would soon send funds to cover the cost of a funeral. On Saturday, March 23rd, they received a special delivery envelope containing cash wrapped in a newspaper. It was enough to pay for the funeral and the burial, and the sender remained unidentified. Around the time of the funeral, there was another puzzling phone call, this time to a local paper. I can only assume it was the Kansas City Journal Post.
0: I don't think there's another local paper. That's the only one.
1: A woman... What about the Post Journal?
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> a woman who refused to identify herself called to chastise an editor for reporting that Owen was to be buried in a pauper's grave. It's not exactly clear when this call occurred, but the paper had apparently not covered the subsequent burial at the Memorial Park Cemetery. She said, You have a story... You have a story and you... Wait. It's Kansas City. So, what is it like a southern accent? Like it Midwestern. would have to be
0: a mix of transatlantic and Midwestern.
1: You have a story in your paper that is wrong. Roland Owen will not be buried in a pauper's grave. Arrangements have been made for his funeral, the Brown's woman announced. i like a rich
0: southern lady, but I liked it.
1: Thank you. Well, where did she come from originally? You She's don't know. not from Kansas City Post Journal. <laughs> when the editor pushed back and asked what had happened to Owen in the hotel room, the woman answered, he got into a jam. <laughs> Also, that's, that's some Finally, someone decided to do some fucking police work around here, yeah. and it's the editor of the Journal and all Post. All did
0: was say, "What, what happened? happened to that
1: guy?" Because you know? they never brought the, they never brought anyone in for questioning.
0: No.
1: So the flowers that arrived were secured from the Rock Flower Company. <laughs> We, I think we said this last time. It's like, at the time, did they just, like, point at things when they named them? Like, I don't know, rocks also, and flowers. Also, wouldn't
0: you pick something a little not exactly the opposite of a flower? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, they'd been secured from the Rock Flower Company, also anonymously.
0: Journal post in the Rock Flower. With the five
1: dollar payment for the flowers, was a card to be played.
0: How much were the rocks?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I'd like to point out that isn't five dollars what they tried to charge Ro- mm-hmm. Roland for the hotel room? That's such a fucking.
0: That's too much for flowers.
1: I know, but that's such a dig. Yeah. <laughs> He's complaining about the hotel room being five dollars <laughs> for in his last breaths, and she's like sends him a five dollar bouquet, <laughs> and she's like, "Sorry about the jam."
0: I heard you got yourself in a jam.
1: Yeah. Um, Along with the $5 payment for the flowers was a card to be placed with the flowers on the grave, and it read, Love Forever, Louise. Which is an anagram of Dawn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We solved it. What it was. They had his funeral, and only law enforcement showed up.
0: No.
1: So, in mid May, the American Weekly
0: Magazine. Nope. Too broad published no you can't do that you can't pick just a country (laughs) and then a time can't be like the russian hour there was
1: only the one american weekly and of course the kansas monthly (laughs) um that's
0: what i call my i was just gonna
1: say which sounds like a euphemism
0: i got my kansas monthly (laughs) uh don't bother talking to that Brad. she's got a kansas monthly (laughs)
1: <laughs> She's in a jam. Um, they published a story called The Mystery of Room Number 1046, which is what I subsequently called this mystery, um, which contained a photograph of Owen slash Scott's profile. A suit I would assume was taken in it posthumously. In the fall of 1936, a year and a half later... A woman thought she recognized Owen's picture when she came across the American Weekly article because it apparently took a year for her to get it wherever she was in <laughs> All Alabama. The
0: Wells Fargo wagging. <laughs>
1: um, and she said it looked like the son of a friend of hers, whom the family had not seen since he left Birmingham, Alabama, in April of 1934. Ruby Ogletree. Mm-hmm. Had not received anything from her son since he left in 1934, except three short typed letters, the first of which was mailed in the spring of 1935, which was after Owen had died. This was weird because... she's
0: received three letters since since he he died.
1: died. And that's the only thing she's ever heard from him.
0: When did he leave? 1934.
1: Okay. She thought this was weird because as far as she was aware, her son didn't know how to type. Several months after the final <laughs> letter arrived, which stated that he was sailing to Europe... Sure. A man calling himself Jordan phoned the family.
0: Last name Jordan or first name Jordan? We don't know. Because I don't think anyone back then had a first name Jordan. Sure they did. Really? Apparently. It's very 90s boy band. <laughs> or my so-called play.
1: Jordan provided an update on her son... Um, and said that his life had been saved by her son and that he had married a woman in Cairo. And then he taught me how to type. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, when her friend showed her the magazine article, she knew that it was her son. Owen's real name was Artemis Ogletree. God,
0: that's such a good fucking name.
1: His mother gave his age a 17.
0: Aww. She also
1: explained that the scar on, the, on his scalp above his ear was the result of a childhood accident where he was burned by some hot grease. One promising lead surfaced in 1937 when a man who went by the alias Joseph Ogden was arrested for the murder of his roommate. One of Ogden's other known aliases was Donald Kelso, and his appearance was similar to the description of the Donald Kelso who had stayed at the St. Regis with Ogletree, but the connection was never pursued. Why? Why? For the same reason that no polite police work was done and they published in the journal post just the quote, someone else was mixed up in this. I'm so
0: tired.
1: Renewed interest in Roland T. Owen surfaced in 2003 when someone got in touch with the Kansas City Public Library, uh, contacted a librarian named John Horner by phone. The caller didn't identify himself, but he did say that they phoned from outside Missouri and that someone had recently passed away. While he was scouring the belongings of the recently deceased person, he discovered a box full of old newspaper clippings. All of these clippings were about the murder of Roland T. Owen. Also in the box was something that the newspaper reports had mentioned. The caller refused to say what the something was. Why? I don't know.
0: I don't understand what the deal is. with people not just saying everything they have to say.
1: Death, bed, confess. Death, death, or confess. Or just if
0: you're about to say something to the library anyway, <laughs> yeah. just tell them. I want to know what happened. That's it? Yeah. Oh my God. That's the end. I'm just so, always, I'm always so mad.
1: This is what I'm struggling with, though, and I've always struggled with since the first time we did this mystery. The timeline.
0: We should draw it out.
1: We should draw it out. Why have we
0: not done that yet?
1: I don't know. Let's take a break and do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Solve this puppy once and for all. We'll be right back. Okay. So, looking at the timeline... The man and the woman left the hotel, rang the elevator at the ninth floor, right?
0: Here's the thing, though, now that I'm looking at it. So he, we know that Owen is the one who got in the taxi. Mm -hmm. So the only person that could have gone upstairs to floor nine with the commercial woman is Owen. No, he leaves. That guy leaves. Right. So when does he come back? How does he get back in the room?
1: That's what the detective said is that no one he couldn't have gotten in or out of the hotel without anyone seeing
0: are there stairs
1: that was my thought that maybe he didn't take the elevator he took the stairs and but maybe he, he went walked... up
0: 10 floors wounded
1: yeah and there would have been blood in the stairwell or something
0: yeah what the fuck and nobody leaves after 4 30
1: no but also the forensics at the time is just like the blood was dry so it must have happened six or seven hour i mean it It could've been eight hours. You know what I mean? Like it's not a very precise.
0: My problem is still, how did he when did he come back to the hotel room?
1: I don't know, but what I'm thinking is because the detectives were like, There's no way he could have gotten in and out without in or out without anyone seeing him, obviously he did because he was in there. (laughs) So that makes me feel like that theory that someone couldn't get in or out of that hotel without anyone noticing is just bullshit. Right.
0: Because I, you know what I think? What? I think there's probably more than one door into the hotel. <laughs> um,
1: I just pulled up the hotel president.
0: Mm-hmm. Call him, ask him if they have a back door.
1: <laughs> I should. I wanted to see if they had like stairs or something. I mean, obviously they did because it. Well, it,
0: they have to have stairs. Right. So he goes in a side door and goes, goes up the, the stairs. stairs. Right. It's not that hard. We've snuck into hotels before.
1: But my thought, too... But this is what's weird. Yeah. And I guess they pick, got picked up on the ninth floor, but they could have gone up the stairs to the tenth. Right.
0: Were the detectives functioning under the assumption that the stairs were just closed that day? I don't know.
1: That's... I, I mean, it's understand. so interesting that they didn't even she think She only went that. to
0: the ninth floor. How could she be connected with something on the floor above? Oh, I'm so mad.
1: <laughs> so, I mean... But I just want to know what happened. Like, I, I think th- it's obvious to us that either she killed him or they killed him together or don killed him and she was definitely in the you room. I think it
0: was a sexy thing.
1: You think it was a sexy thing gone wrong? Mhm. Do you think it was like a hit though? Um, do you think they set him up? Because possible. they kept
0: I mean because
1: someone was like lo- keeping him under lock and key.
0: Mhm. But he also was like no don, I'm not hungry. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe that was like part of the sexy thing where he was like I want to be your slave. I don't want a kink shame, but
1: I don't think that that's it, though, because he then was out on the town and got stabbed or something.
0: Oh, yeah, because we don't know what happened between...
1: We don't know what happened to him when he got into that car and he was bleeding. Oh, isn't
0: this the guy who had puffy ears?
1: He had a cauliflower ear. He
0: had cauliflower mm-hmm. ears. Didn't we come to the conclusion the first time we did this? We
1: talked about the fact that he might have been... He
0: might have been set up. A
1: bo- a yeah, boxer. so people who have cauliflower ears are typically wrestlers or boxers. Mm-hmm. And so one of our theories was, like, maybe he was, like, Pulp Fiction style. He was, like, a boxer, and he was supposed to throw a fight or something. Mm-hmm. And that Dawn it. was, like, his manager.
0: And she was just, like, his his girl. His right.
1: Garage. Or she was a prostitute that Dawn used to lure him, you know what I mean? Like, to get him into mm-hmm. a place where he could murder him and torture him
0: or maybe they were trying to get him to throw the fight and that's why he was in that room for so long they were torturing him to get him right. to do it
1: but it also well it would have been too late
0: you don't know they what the fight was
1: they can't kill him before the fight well he probably refused to do it and
0: then they were like fine
1: bye the other thing though that begs it that, that I call into question is he when he got in that car with Robert Lane he was like I'm gonna kill that
0: motherfucker yeah, well, we or that what, bitch but what right what I'm that? saying
1: is someone wounded him and he was like mad about it he wasn't like fearing for his life he was like pissed mm. he was like I'm gonna kill that guy
0: and he didn't die from like he died because he slipped into a coma after mm-hmm. the wounds because like, he was think, beaten so I don't severely think they were trying to kill him I think they were torturing him
1: right and because they and hit him over must the have head been someone he knew right but why was he staying in a room where someone would keep locking him in Unless, I, I mean, I think that just solidifies for me that it was, like, some kind of, like, a boxing thing or, like, a, you know what I, like, it, it was a yeah, setup. I
0: think it was a setup because he was, like, I'm expecting a friend leave the door unlocked. Otherwise, he would, like, if he was already having beef with someone, he wouldn't be, like, leave it open. Right. Unless he was because But he also paid, that fragile. He
1: paid for his own room and someone else had the key. They kept locking him in there. Like just It's just like Every answer Just like brings up More questions
0: I'm so furious
1: I mean I think We can be sure That Louise Had something to do With it mm-hmm.
0: Louise may have Been the girl And we know That Dawn Existed Mm-hmm. For sure Donald
1: Yeah Well Dawn Is an alias But yeah The good news is This hotel still stands
0: So Are right we going there? to Kansas City
1: <laughs> To stay in room 1046 How
0: can we request the room. I'm what gonna do? Google it right now. That's a rate. He didn't even die in that room, so it's not haunted.
1: No, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna book us a room and Don't <laughs> Let's look at the price. It's owned by Hilton though.
0: Of course it is.
1: Um, let's set dates. When do you wanna go do a mystery? May May. May.
0: May in Missouri I've heard is lovely.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's like two hundred bucks.
0: A night? Yeah.
1: We're only going for one night.
0: We're going to fly to Kansas City. Okay, we'll go in June. Or we can go to stay there for one night and then go stay in a cheaper place after. Yeah.
1: I just want to go into room 1046. I want to see where the fucking
0: stairs are. Yeah. We got to get some lobs. Should we go do a mystery? I think we should go investigate this mystery. That's a great idea. I think that'll be so fun. I could tear Mystery it up. team goes on the road. <laughs> we go on the road for one weekend. <laughs>
1: just to Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. Just to see.
0: Just to see. I am curious to see what the stairs are like. I want to walk that hallway. I want to walk that
1: And I want to hallway. see, because you know how he had like an interior room? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to see everything. I want to see the setup.
0: Mm-hmm. We've already done more police work than, than the police. The police. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, if we have any listeners who live in Kansas City, Missouri, yeah, and you go wanna... like FaceTime us and yeah, go to the hotel.
0: go. Oh, yes.
1: And then we Send don't have to video. go, but we I'm still know. more than happy to go.
0: But like, if you can just go.
1: I would say it was a lot of time.
0: Lie and say you're meeting someone.
1: Say you have a friend that's coming to meet you. A friend, Louise. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Now I really want, I also just want to go to Kansas City. I think we would tear it up
1: there. I think we have to go, right? Yeah. I want to know. All right, I'm sold. Great. All right, that is the mystery of Room Ten Forty Six. I
0: wanna, I wanna slam my head into a wall. We'll
1: be back. We'll be back. <laughs> and we're back.
0: We're back. That's what you say. We're back. I was making my chair squeak. I also have to give a shout out to our
1: housekeeping, who took the half-finished baguette that was on my bed last week and just, like,
0: put it on the table. (laughs) So, the first and 20th mystery I did. (laughs) One in 20 blackbirds. (laughs) One in 20 reincarnated twins. Yay! This is the story of the Pollock twins. John and Florence Pollock were a British couple. Uh, John was very Catholic. Florence couldn't really give a fuck about religion, but converted to ca- Catholicism. Catholicism! Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> John was uh, very Catholic, but Florence couldn't really give a fuck about religion, but she converted to Catholicism when they got married. And John was also obsessed with the idea of reincarnation. And he admits to having prayed for proof so that he could like prove himself right and the priests wrong because he's petty and a man. That's Catholicism for you. There you go. Uh, They lived in... um, He couldn't pray that they would like stop touching children. (laughs) No, he was just like reincarnate someone. Uh, So in 1946, they had a daughter named Joanna. She was their third child and their first daughter. There is no mention of their first two children. They just don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) We can assume. We can assume. They were kind of lame. Yeah. Uh, Then in 1951, the family moved to Hexham, England. There was no mention of where they lived originally. Um, And in the same year, they had a daughter named Jacqueline. The parents ran a grocery and milk delivery business, And they were super busy with it, so the girls were mostly raised by their maternal grandmother. Um, Joanna and Jacqueline were absolutely inseparable. Joanna kind of took on the like mothering position, and Jacqueline was like the little baby, and they both really liked it. Joanna was a fan of (laughs) playing dress up. That's weird. (laughs) Well, here's what I wrote. I wrote. Joanna, mothered Jacqueline, who loved it. And I was like, (laughs) hey, Kayla, a year ago, that's bad writing. But I didn't fix (laughs) it. (laughs) And they both really liked it. They both really liked that. Um, Joanna would dress up in costumes and do little plays for the family. Um, Joanna was known to be generous and sharing. And they both were weirdly into combing people's hair. Sure. I would like to point out that Joanna was described as like she liked to dress up in costumes and was generous and sharing and then here's what we know about Jacqueline when she was three she fell into a bucket (laughs) (laughs) they were like Joanna was kind and she mothered her sister (laughs) and she liked to dress up and do plays and she was generous and Jacqueline Jacqueline like? like well she did fall into a bucket Um, which caused a small gash on her forehead over her right eye, and it left a scar. And she also had a little birthmark on the left side of her waist. Now, on May 9th, 1957, Joanna is 11, Jacqueline is 6, three years after the bucket incident. (laughs) (laughs) Can we tell everything in the rest of the story in
1: relation to the bucket incident? Yes. That was
0: 1954, the bucket incident? 1954 was the bucket incident. Uh, They were walking to church with a friend... And a local woman who was in despair at being forcibly separated from her own children decided to commit suicide by taking what she thought were lethal doses of aspirin and phenobarbitone. Uh, Witnesses saw her driving erratically and bearing down on the three girls who couldn't escape from the path of the car because they were, like, backed up against a wall. They got hit by the car. The impact, quote, tossed them into the air like cricket balls... And Joanna and Jacqueline were killed instantly. So, in the aftermath of their death, Florence... I'm sorry,
1: John McPrayerson. It sounds like if the kids weren't going to fucking church, they'd still be (laughs) alive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just throwing that out there. So, Florence was like, I don't want to think about it. It's too painful. Let's just move on. And John was like, no, let's wallow in this forever. Right. Right. On the day of accident, he says... That's what the Catholics do, for sure. (laughs)
1: Yes. (coughs) They're still all hung up on fucking Jesus. Move on. Move on. He died for your sins. So what? That was 2,000 years ago. It's 2019. Not 1,008. Move on, ladies. Get over it. If he died for your sins and he came back after three days and then went away again,
0: he's not coming back. <laughs> Get over Get it. Get over move it. Move on. If he wore sandals and gave people bread, move, move on. on. If he said he's
1: coming back to take the righteous heaven, he's not coming back. <laughs>
0: He's not busy in the studio and he's not gonna be resurrected. <laughs> he's not busy in the studio. He's he lives with his not dad. Into you. He moved back <laughs> in, in with his dad. He faked his death to move back in with his dad. Move on. Anyway, so. <laughs> on the day of the accident, John says he experienced a vision of his daughters in heaven. And then he sensed. The presence of their spirits in a top room of the house, which I can only assume is the attic. Sure. So we'll say attic. And he took to spending time there in order to quote be close to them. Okay. Yeah. This is like you and volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Kayla in the girls' again? The <laughs> She's vo-ball. spending time with the volleyball. <laughs> um. He later said that he. Th- felt like the girls' deaths had been punishment from God for having prayed for proof of reincarnation. It was. It clearly was. He felt that his prayer would be answered because he knew that they were going to be reborn into the family. And Florence was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And their disagreement about whether or not their daughters were going to be reincarnated almost ended their marriage. Like, that's how much he cared about it. But their relationship survived. Florence got pregnant again. And John was like, "Um, FYI, Joanna and Jacqueline are going to be reincarnated as twins. And Florence was like, shut the fuck up about it. They went to the doctor. Her doctor was like, it's one heartbeat. It's a single birth. There's no history of twins in the family. Shut up. And then on October 4th, 1958, which is... Seven years after, after the, the bucket, bucket incident. incident. <laughs> uh, no, it was 54. You're right. <laughs> so, what, four years after yes. the bucket incident? Yeah. So, on October 4th, 1958, four years after the bucket incident, Florence gave birth to <laughs> bum, 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 twin Twins. girls. They named them Jillian and Jennifer. Mm. But, surprisingly, instead of doing a double J, they did a G and a J, which is so annoying. Wow, that's <laughs> it's worse. It's uh, worse. And when the twins were nine months old, they moved from Hexham. I bet Goan and Gacklin likes that. <laughs> uh, 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 when the twins were nine months old, they moved from Hexham to Whitley Bay. And this That was is... four years and nine months after the bucket <laughs> incident? Four years and nine months after the bucket incident. This is where the weird shit starts. So Jennifer was born with a white line on her forehead in the same spot as Jacqueline's bucket scar.
1: <gasps> the boy who lived.
0: I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> Did it glow when Voldy <laughs> when was near? <laughs> Boldy. Um, she also had a supposedly identical birthmark on her left waist, the left side of her waist, which there's video of them. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. Uh, There's video of them and she does have a birthmark on her on her left (laughs) waist. Um, And then uh, at one point, Florence, the mom, got out two dolls that belonged to um, Joanna and Jacqueline and gave them to Jillian and Jennifer. And Jillian took Joanna's. Jennifer took Jacqueline's and they were like, Um, that one's Mary and that one's Susan, which is the exact same names that the dead girls had given them.
1: They didn't have like an Aunt Mary and
0: an Aunt Susan or something. I don't fucking know. I mean, (laughs) I feel like they would have said something if they did. Here's the thing. That's weird. But Mary
1: and Susan are like regular names. Like, if they were like, that's volleyball, and <laughs> that's the Beatles,
0: then I would maybe, maybe think it was weird. <laughs> okay, that's just... That's Sasha. That's Exhibit A. And that's on Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha and Aunt Beth. Okay. Um, exhibit A. Great. One time, Florence says she came across, and I have to say, Florence, like, really didn't believe in reincarnation and, like, didn't really want to have anything to do with this bullshit, but then she was like, here's all this weird shit that happened. So one time she came across Jillian cradling Jennifer's head saying, the blood's coming out of your eyes. That's where the car hit you. Yeah, that's too much. And John said that when he identified the bodies, Jacqueline's head was like bandaged and cut above her eyes. One time, (laughs) Jillian pointed to Jennifer's forehead birthmark and said, that's the mark Jennifer got when she fell in a bucket. How many years was this after the bucket incident? There is no timestamp at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> From here on, we're, it's a little murky. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but I will say that this all stopped when they were five. Okay. Um, another weird thing: Florence used to wear a smock while she was helping with the milk delivery business, and then she like put it away when she stopped working delivering milk after her kids died. Sure. Um, when the twins were like four and a half, John was wearing the smock to do some painting. And Jennifer was like, why are you wearing mommy's coat? And then she was like annoyed that Jillian didn't recognize it. But the older sister had been at school and had never seen her mother wearing the smock. So the younger sister is the only one who would have known that her mom wore it. Uh, and then when John was like, hey, how did you know that that was your mom's?" She was like, mommy wore it while she was delivering milk. That sounds like something that she said to them. Also, Jillian mothered Jennifer, and they both really liked it.
1: (laughs) I just snotted. (laughs) No, listen, that smock thing I don't buy because I can, like, I have a dress in my closet that my mom wore when she was pregnant with me. And I know that, not because I was, like, reincarnated or, like... (laughs) Not because I was the dog my mom owned when she was (laughs) pregnant with me and then reincarnated as me, but because she
0: fucking told me.
1: She was like, oh, I wore this when I was pregnant with you and put it in a
0: closet. The whole thing about this is that Florence swore up and down until the day she died. This is the last bullet point, but I guess I'll say it now. (laughs) She swore up and down that like all of this stuff, she never told them. And she was the one who was like, I don't believe in reincarnation and Catholicism is stupid.
1: I know, but how many times have I said something to you and you've been like, "I didn't." when did I say that? And I'm like, it just literally any time. Listen,
0: I don't want to defend this. I don't think it's real. This is just the first mystery I chose. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying I take issue. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah,
0: I take issue with it too. Go ahead. I don't buy any of it. Go ahead. So, the twins were also weirdly attached to their maternal grandmother, as were the daughters, but like, eye roll. Yeah. Me this too. This is the problem that I ran into <laughs> redoing this one, where I was just like, I don't. Now that I've been solving mysteries for a year, <laughs> I just don't buy it. The first it. we heard it, we were like, "That's really weird." Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, oh, I'm like, eh, yeah, okay, yeah. And everybody fucking lies. <laughs> That's true. Um. The twins had phobias related to cars. Their mother said that they were very careful crossing streets and they always held hands. On one occasion when a car engine started near them in an alleyway, the girls like freaked out and they were like, the car, the car, it's coming for us. That sounds like
1: the parents projected their fears about crossing the street (laughs) onto Mm -hmm. their kids and then the kids were terrified of
0: crossing the street. Absolutely, it does. It sounds like maybe their previous children were Were killed by by a a car. car. So maybe they got like... But if
1: you want to talk about reincarnation, they weren't killed crossing the street, so (laughs) that doesn't line up for me. Fair. That doesn't match up. Um, To quote Detective Johnson, there was definitely someone else mixed (laughs) up in this.
0: (laughs) To quote Louise, he was in a jam. (laughs) Um, Okay, another weird thing. At the time of their deaths, Jacqueline Bucket... (laughs) was still learning how to write and her teacher was like she won't stop holding the pencil in her fist like upright in her fist um and then when Jillian and Jennifer began learning to write at age four Jillian was like fine at holding a pencil and Jennifer kept holding it upright in her fist and she only started holding it properly at age seven and then even as a young adult she would still sometimes revert to the fist grip that also seems like genetic to me somehow Like, maybe they just, like, gave birth to children who didn't know how to hold pens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And fell in buckets. It just seems to me like the propensity
1: to hold a pen a certain way could be, Mm -hmm. like, nature or nurture, but definitely a result of those before it's a result of reincarnation.
0: I need you to just, like, suspend your disbelief for five-eighths of a page. (laughs) Disbelief suspended. Great. So when the twins were four, they took a trip back to Hexham where they were living when the girls died and where they moved when they were nine months. And the girls were like, oh, around that corner is our school and the church we used to go to. But both of the buildings they were pointing to were hidden behind another building and there's no way they could have been able to see them from where they were. And they were like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> wow! suspended it better it's suspended <laughs> and then uh, they walked by their old church and across the street from the church was an abbey and then over the hill from the abbey not visible there was a playground and the girls were like let's go to that playground over there
1: that's like the most believable thing so
0: far actually <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the only yeah so then these stories made it into the local newspapers of course where they caught the attention of a psychologist named Dr. Ian Stevenson, who was, for some reason, super into the idea of reincarnation in children. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was reading this this time, I was like, "Molester." Yeah. And he like has books on like, you know, a lot of examples of like reincarnation in children. Heavy air quotes. Mm-hmm. But so he used to like visit frequently, and he would study them. And he said some he okay, so. yeah so he was like well they're identical twins so it doesn't make sense that um jennifer would have a birthmark that matches her dead sister and jillian wouldn't have that birthmark and i was like that seems stupid but let me just double check so i researched it a little bit and identical twins can have like mismatched birthmarks of course so fuck off yeah i wrote in all caps debunked (laughs) so debunked (laughs) so then once they turned five they stopped basically stopped doing that shit um and then so skeptics are basically like oh they probably either talked to the girls about their sisters and then were like look at our weird reincarnated children or they talked to them about their sisters and like didn't really think about it and then they started having memories or that like relatives talked about the sisters around sure. the twins, and the parents didn't know. Sure. Um,
1: Were they raised by their maternal grandmother, who was like, "We're gonna eat finger paint in this smock. Your mom used to wear this when she
0: delivered milk." I think that they weren't. They weren't doing the milk delivery then. So like the Florence at least was home. And then, but so I wrote. However, Florence was really not on board with the idea. No, of because she said that. Florence only wore it when she was at home and the younger daughter... When she was helping with the milk delivery business. They stopped doing that when they moved. Right. So they wouldn't even have remembered because they moved when they were nine months old. Okay. But who the fuck knows? Uh, <laughs> I wrote, however, Florence was really not on board with the idea of reincarnation and she was always really weirded out by all the shit that the Swains did. And both John and Florence went to their grave swearing they didn't influence the behavior. But I don't buy it. It sounds like a fucking scam. I think I bought it before, and this time I i think I really do think
1: it is, like, yeah, that sort of, like, subconscious suggestion. hmm I don't think they were, like,
0: trying to... No.
1: And I don't doubt that the girls did all that shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just don't think that it was reincarnation. I think it was, like, you know...
0: It wouldn't surprise me if, like, their aunt came over and was like, oh... Your sister's got hit by a car. Sure. And
1: yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's where she was bleeding. That's how I know all the dirt about my family.
0: Yeah, a drunk aunt. Yeah. It's a key. Ugh, Anne used to spill a lot of shit. Yeah. So that was my first mystery. Like, thank God I got better. <laughs> <laughs> because.
1: We got better at solving mysteries. We did. Too. It is weird that they, like, knew where the playground was.
0: It's weird that they knew where all that shit was. And and the cradling of the head and being like, that's There's where your arm is bleeding. Your- yeah, that's creepy. But to me, ultimately, the weirdest thing is that somehow a child managed to fall into a bucket. A bucket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the eyes bleeding also is that John was like, that's really weird because she had a cut not on her eye.
0: No, it was above her eye.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make blood come out of your eye.
0: She said, what did she say? The blood's coming oh, the blood's out of your eye. Oh, the blood's coming eyes. out of That's your eye. That's where eyes. the blood's coming from. And he was like, oh, she had a cut right above her eyes. <laughs> okay, John. John was like really looking for some like wish fulfillment. That's what
1: I'm saying. It's, some, it's very like, it's, it's very like subconscious suggestion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And they even lived in the attic where the girls lived. It's like, you put them there. Where we put them every (laughs) night.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's Mary and Susan and, like, knowing where the shit was in Hexham. Those are the two. I don't even think that Mary and Susan is that weird because I
1: think that, like... If I had a little sister, she probably would have named her imaginary friend Megan and Samantha that would be a hamster. Do you know what I mean? Really? Like, because I
0: just... my sister doesn't have a fucking imaginary football <laughs> anthropomorphic no, projecting th- No, but I do think
1: that it's like they're, the world that they grew up in, like if you're talking about nature versus nurture, like talking nurture, it's like they were exposed. Those are like names that they were exposed to. Even
0: if they, even though they moved... Do you think her dad got a
1: job <laughs> and she had to move
0: away? Even though her dad got a job and they had to move to space and there's no Mary's or Susan's there? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, also, do you think it was Mary the housekeeper?
1: Mary Soptic? Yeah. It's for Olive. No. <laughs> I don't know. That is a little bit weird.
0: I mean, we don't know. But it's also like, I don't buy it at all. No. But the point is, we don't. No. no. So stay in your lane. Stay in your twentieth episode, first anniversary lane. Congratulations! Babies. We did it. We survived. We did it.
1: <laughs> we only went insane on the alien episodes.
0: I think that might be the only one we went on insane on. Was part two. Do you know what's gonna fuck me up Alpha though? And Gulf JFK is gonna fuck me up. No. I can't wait to do that one. Yay, we did it. So, that's a little sneak peek into how bad I was at this a year ago. <laughs> but I'm mad because my second mystery was really good. The ghost ship. Or whenever I did the ghost yeah, ship. Yeah, that was Ghost Ship and Baby Paul. Was that number two? Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Yeah. Could Except be. that I solved it.
1: You did solve it. Ten minutes
0: in. Fuck. But you know what? Yeah, but I've taught you not to do that anymore. <laughs> I learned.
1: You know what we should do for another, like special episode later down the line is the episode that we never aired because it was too dark <gasps> where we both did fuck like immolation we stories, both
0: did really fucked up once we should do that because I don't give a fuck I never did no I think
1: that I think that now that we've like established this podcast I think we can do something dark like I that I think we
0: should those are really good mm-hmm. mm. I found one really similar to that recently that I want to do to yours mine has Mormons it's great Great, we'll do our really fucked up one because we don't give a shit if we make you sad, (laughs) Sweden. We don't
1: give a fuck if we make you sad, Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: going to be our first single. Great great and tomorrow we go to louisiana where it's very haunted stay in a haunted house so maybe we'll turn the mic on no that's scary i don't want to do that (gasps) no 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 we're not doing it we're not doing it okay no that was a bad idea bad idea take it back no we're not doing that i'm scared now i'm scared i've been scared no okay well hopefully we'll make it back Mm not having like tables thrown at us or like i don't want to say it okay something out in the universe (laughs) my brain is getting Uh... overactive okay anyway (laughs) the point is bottom line we don't know (laughs) i'm scared stay in your lane stay in your scared lane
1: (laughs) where we belong (laughs)
0: goodbye
1: goodbye